let's open up our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Who doesn't have a Bible? We have Bibles. Here's one. Here's a bunch. Seth, will you help me out? I think there were three hands. I don't want you guys just to trust me. I want you to see for yourselves that this is coming out of the Bible and this isn't just pretty words from Nate. Cool. 1 Corinthians 6. And we're going to start in verse 12, but first I want to do a little intro here. As those of you guys know, um, we're going to be talking for the next few weeks about a pretty touchy, embarrassing topic, um, but yet one that obviously is, has completely overrun and controlled and influenced our society right now, and that's sex. And when is sex okay? When is sex not okay? Um, the context and the design of what God created sex for. Um, we're also going to talk about singleness, and we're also going to go um, lastly and talk about marriage and that relationship. Um, so first, I just want to start. I want to let you guys know, please, the feed, feedback here. If I ask a question or if we come across a verse and you have a story that relates to that verse or if you want to share something encouraging, please say it. Um, I mean, it's not, I don't have to just be the only one talking here. That's not what this is about. So please dive in, throw in your two cents. Um, but I want to start off with a quote by a theologian who lived about 1,700 years ago, and his name was Augustine. And he said this, Love God and do what you will. That's what he said. Love God and do what you will. Now, it's kind of funny because I had this reaction too when I first heard this. It's like, whoa, you know, how can you say that? I don't know if I agree with that. We're going to talk about it. There's, there's three things here. If you're a religious person, you heard, you heard love God and do what you will, and you thought, whoa, no, you know, that, that can't be it. There's got to be rules. I mean, you know, you've got to add more to that. Uh, people, if you just say love God and do what you will, then people are going to be like, I love God, and they're just going to sin like mad, right? So if you're a, a religious person type, that's what you heard, or that's what you thought when you heard love God and do what you will. If you're a, a liberal kind of person who's, you know, just kind of, kind of floats in between church in and out, you know, you probably, you heard that, love God and do what you will, and thought, yes, freedom, time to just do whatever I want. I love God, so it's time to do what I want. That's, if you're that kind of person, that's how you heard that. But if you're a gospel-honoring, Jesus-loving, God-fearing type of person sincerely in your heart you heard love God and do what you will and you thought amen and you thought that's awesome because you didn't stop past the word love you heard, I mean I'm sorry you stopped at the word love okay what what kind of love do you guys think that that's that's talking about love God and do what you will do you have any idea what do you think that means? Somebody, somebody tell me what they think that quote means. Okay, good. Right. He said, if you love God with biblical love, agape love, if you're in love with God, then the things that you will, 
the things that you want will be in line with what God loves and what God wills and what God wants, right? So we can't just hear love God and do what you will and just skip it and just think we should make more rules. Um, honestly, when I heard it, I'm going to be honest with you. The first thing I thought of was I disagree with that. You know, I was like, that's, that's not enough. There has to be some guidelines, right? I was, I was pretty religious with here. <laughs> um, but one thing we need to understand is that rules and laws and things that we create, they don't set us free from sin, right? Somebody tell me what the law does. What was the purpose of the law all throughout the Bible? What did the law do in relationship to sin? There it is, right there. The law showed us what sin was, right? That was the whole purpose of the law. The law is there to show us what sin is. Does anybody know what frees us from sin? Hopefully we know this one. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, the gospel, frees us from sin. The law shows us what it is. Then Jesus comes along and sets us free from it. All right, when, now here, here's another question for you guys. I'm going to be pretty interactive here, so, so speak up. Uh, when, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? What did he say? What? Love. But what did he say specifically? Was the, and they said, Lord, what is the greatest commandment? Yeah, love God and love your neighbor as yourself, right? Love. Love was the greatest commandment. We're not just talking about saying, I love something. We're talking about agape love. Um, all right. Let's see. I got my notes here. By the way, um, something I should say for those of you that are new, if you're wondering where we get our notes, where I get my notes and my guidelines, everything that we're teaching on can be found at livingstonesreno.com in their sermon archive section. So if you hear something briefly condensed here and you want to hear more, the, the full sermon is on that website by Pastor Harvey from Livingstones in Reno. All right. Instantly, people want guidelines and rules because love can't possibly be all there is. And so here's where we're going to go into our, into our quote-unquote sex talk. All right. God created us sexual beings. Who disagrees with that? God created us sexual beings. Nobody disagrees with that, right? He made us man and woman, and I love how Harvey said this on the podcast. He said, he made us man and woman, and he gave us parts that match up. <laughs> I thought that was so funny, the way that you said that. But it's true, because here's the thing. What, what rules our culture right now? Sex. I saw a dial, I believe it was dial soap commercial. They used sex to sell soap. I mean, they use sex to sell everything because that's the one thing that all of us have in common. It's the one thing that is so strong that none of us can fight. So we remember things. We see some half-naked woman dressed on TV. The, the first 30 seconds of the 33-second commercial is this half-naked woman, and at the end you see a car. And it's like, you know, Audi or BMW, and you're like, I just saw a naked girl. But you remember that, right? That's, it's huge. It's huge. And somebody tell me what the Bible says, or what does God define sex? When is sex okay? When you're married. And, and it's easy because people, you know, we throw that out. Sex is for married people. But yet, you know, what, what's our culture doing? It's like sex is not just for married people. We don't believe that. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, 
Sex outside of marriage is a what? Sin, right? And what's a sin? What does sin do? When somebody says, that's a sin, what do they mean? Right, you're disobeying God's command. You're, you're not listening to it. Um, sex outside of marriage is a sin, and it has to stop. Um, people would say, well, well, why is it a sin? You know, it can't just be because God, God said it's a sin. Yes, it can. That, that's more than enough. God said, so it is. But he, he didn't stop there. We went a little further. Um, we're going to go into this Corinthians section here, and we're going to talk about it in, in, in detail. But when you have sex outside of marriage, you're slandering God's creation completely selfishly for your own gain and your own feeling. Now, what's the one word that we use to justify having sex with somebody we're not married to? I what them? I love them. We're going to see how that is so unbelievably not true tonight. I love them, so I'm going to go ahead and defile my body and his body or her body, and I'm going to do what I want because it feels good for me, and I love them. All right, so let's go here. Somebody open up their Bible. Who's in 1 Corinthians 6? Everybody's there. Who wants to read uh, 12 and 13? Okay, go ahead. All right, I'll read that again in one second for sake of the, uh, the microphone here at the podcast. But uh, the Corinthians, what they began to do, and just, just a really brief overview. Somebody tell me what Corinthians is about. Why is Paul writing them a letter? Talk, talk kind of loud if you can for me. What, why did Paul write a letter to the church at Corinth? There was reported sin within the church. There it is. It was pretty, pretty open. Yeah, that's it. There, he heard about sin in the church of Corinth, and like Jason just said, it was pretty open. Do you guys remember what we talked about? Actually, I think it was my week of teaching when we talked about some of the stuff that was going on. Young men in the church having sex with their, like, stepmoms. And, you know, they, and like, like I said a while ago, and, and Harvey made this example, and it just stuck in my mind. They, they would literally show up to church, these young guys, right? They, they'd sit in the pews, get ready to worship God, look over, kind of see their stepmom, be like, hey, baby. How you doing? And then the next thing you know, they're just like, you know, how great is our God? And, it, and, it's, and this is okay. Now, the sin was going on in the church, which is wrong. But what, what was brought out? What did Paul bring out specifically that was even, quote unquote, more wrong than the fact that the sin was going on? That, that everybody was fine with it. Nobody, nobody had anything to say. I, can you, I can't even imagine that. I think about it, and it's just like, Everybody's like, oh, 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 Jim? Oh, yeah. Jim has sex with his mom all the time, and we're fine with it, right? And, and not just that. They, we talked about the pagan things going on, the, the shower boys. You guys remember that? These little boys that run these, these showers where these men would go in and have sex with these little boys, and this was okay. Not only was it happening, but it was fine, okay? And what was a form of worship? How did you worship one of the gods back then. What did they have? Do you guys remember? Temple. Yeah, temple. A temple 
with prostitutes in the temple. And you'd be like, how you worshipped that God was to have sex with one of the prostitutes. So it was literally like, man, to your wife, you know, honey, that was a great dinner. Um, Watch the kids. I'm heading up to worship. And she's just like, okay, praise whoever that is. Have fun. You know, have sex with a bunch of them because, you know, we need to be good. And he's like, love you, you know. That stuff was going on, and it was okay. So Paul writes this letter to them, and he's like, guys, you've lost your identity. When I left there, he even tells them, when I left there, you guys were right on. He's like, you guys were doing it fine. Everything was going well. But now that I'm over here working on another church, I get news that you're just falling away, and it's time to to get on them about it. He calls them babies. He calls them immature. All of that to say this, the Corinthians began in the middle of this, in the middle of this letter, to change their view on sex. They began to basically say that physical things regarding their bodies and even their health, they didn't matter because, you know, it's, it's not that big a deal. It's, ju- it's just my physical stuff. They began to say that really only the spiritual things matter. So basically, have sex with your girlfriend, have sex with your boyfriend, have sex with your mom or small boys, but as long as you come to church and worship God, you're fine. The problem is, can you really truly worship God if you're habitually delving into a sin like that and don't have a problem with it? Can you actually say, I love you, God? You can't do that. All right, I'm going to go ahead and read um, the 1 Corinthians part here, 6, uh, 12 through 13. It says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So somebody tell me what, as Christina read and I just read again, somebody tell me what that, what that basically means, what they're saying. Right, but that, that's true, but that's not exactly what they're saying in those two verses. It's definitely true that the body's the temple, but go ahead if you have to, read the verse again. What, what, are, what are they saying here? What do they mean when they say, you know, sex is for the body just like food, and, and what are they saying? Does anybody have any idea? Basically, it's a dialogue with Paul. Okay? They're making a point that the body and food is going to die someday. They're like, look, you know, it, our body's going to die. We, we get hungry, so we eat. And it doesn't matter because our bodies are going to die. It doesn't matter. I want to have sex because I want to feel good. So I'm going to go do it anyways. And it's not going to matter because my body's going to die. Sex is just another appetite, just like hunger. It's just something that we want, so we go do it, so we get full. But it doesn't matter because, you know, come on, Paul, it doesn't matter. The body's going to die. Just spiritual things matter, okay? They totally slaughtered grace in, in, all of its, in all of its meaning. They trashed grace. To compare their sexual appetite to food it is just is unbelievable. Um, your body is given to you, believe it or not, to love God with. Now, if God says your body is a temple, love me with it, and you go out and you do those things knowing what the Bible says about it, is that loving God with it? It can't be, right? It's not loving God with it. 
It's defiling God. It's slandering God. It's taking what God made perfect and holy and making it worthless. But yet our culture does it all the time. It's not a big deal. Um, Sex with someone you're not married to is a perversion of God's design for your body. Who wants to read verse 14? Nice and loud. Okay, what does that verse mean? It's pretty self-explanatory. God, God the Father, raised Jesus in what? His physical body. Okay, so obviously the body mattered, right? Otherwise, Jesus could have just done whatever he wanted to it. And the body mattered so much that when he raised him, what, what, what is still visible in Christ's body? His scars, right? The nail prints, the rib, the rib slash, everything, the thorns in his head, it's all still visible here. I mean, without, without Jesus' physical body, I mean, when he appears to people, they wouldn't even know it was him, right? The physical body is important. When, when the rapture happens, okay, what are we going to get? New bodies. We're going to reign on a literal physical earth with Jesus Christ for a thousand years in literal physical bodies that Jesus made new, right? So the physical body matters. Uh, let's go 15. Who wants to read that? Preferably someone who hasn't read. Nice and loud if you can. Okay, I'm going to read that again because this one is this one's huge. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? What does that mean? If somebody goes, don't you know? Paul's telling him, he's like, don't you guys know that your bodies are members of Christ? What is he saying? Right. Your body, your physical body is part of Jesus Christ. He says, don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? And he says, never. I'm using the English Standard Version. He says, if your body is a member of Christ, how in the world could you take your body to a prostitute? Or how in the world could... Would, and, and it was put like this also in the podcast. He's like... Okay, your body is a member of Christ. You're created in God's image. The purpose of your body is to glorify Christ. Would you take Jesus with you to have sex with your boyfriend? Would you be like, oh, I'm heading down to uh, Mona's over here. Come on, Jesus. Come on with me. I mean, it's kind of it's funny, but yet, at the same time, is Jesus not with you? Is he, is he not already there? Just because you can't see him doesn't mean he's not there. He says he's with you all the time, especially if you accepted Jesus as your son. His spirit lives inside of you. You're his temple. Could you, if Jesus was next to you, take him to a brothel? Would you take him in to have sex with somebody, to have sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend, or even to have an affair on your wife? It it seems stupid, and, and I can guarantee you that everybody's like, no way. I, I, I definitely ain't taking Jesus with me to, you know, when I go have my sex because that's my time, you know, and it's none of his business and it doesn't matter. But it's true. All right. Let's see here. He says, never. Would you take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Verse 16. Uh, who wants to read 
16, let me see what I have. 16 through, 16 through 17. Somebody read it nice and loud. Yeah, what does that mean? When it says that he becomes one flesh with the prostitute, what does that mean? I think it's kind of like what we said earlier, he's created us apart from that. Yeah. Well, if you take the thing, you're just year out. That person that you're with, even if it's only a one night thing, you've given something to that person that not only doesn't belong to them, but you've taken from them something that never belonged to you. Right. Right. When you work together carnally, you become one with that person. And then that says that, but he who is joined in the Lord is one spirit with him. Yeah. When you become saved and you baptize and it says to be raised in the newness of life, and you may be as defiled before, but when you are raised in the newness of in life, you are in one spirit with, with God and Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God. Right. Basically, that's what they're saying. They're saying that even though it is physical and you're having sex with somebody you're not married to, you're still becoming one flesh with them because sex isn't just a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing also. It's a picture. That's why God made sex for marriage. It's for one man and one woman to share something that just that man and that woman share together as a picture of love for one another. And contrary to popular belief, which is what our culture believes right now, sex isn't for you. When, when you have sex with somebody, and this is, this, is, this is huge, you're not having sex so that you get to feel good. And this, this, this is going to sound a little bit weird, okay? The guy isn't having sex with the girl just so he gets to feel good. He's having sex with the girl, his wife, to make her feel good. And vice versa. She makes love to her husband for him, not just for her. But today, what is sex anymore? What's pornography? Who's it all about? I would say largely it's all about the guys, mostly. Women are just like these, they, they demean women so low to the point where they're just these quote-unquote sex machines that are made to do whatever they want strictly for the guy's pleasure. That's why large percentages of people that watch pornography, especially, um, like, well, not especially, but internet, TV, videos, everything like that are men. There are women that are into pornography as well but grossly and largely the mass percentage is men because men are visual. And somebody told me this one time, because I'll be honest with you guys, uh, back in high school, I, when I discovered that internet things could pop up, I'm not going to lie, I clicked on it. I wanted to know. Uh, you know, it's embarrassing to stand here and tell you that before, but yes, I have seen a lot of porn, and I did it for a long time. And it never, and I never, I never thought about it. I never thought it was wrong because nobody knew. And I could still, I could still function. I could go to church. I could play my part. It, I was like, well, it doesn't affect me. But, you know, you realize that it's never, it never satisfies you. It's never good. You always want more. And before you know it, you're going deeper and deeper and deeper until it completely consumes you. And it's, it completely screws up your view of women. Right? I mean, thank God that he saved me from it and I got out of it before 
it, it totally consumed me. And I'm not going to lie, and no guy can lie. We all struggle with uh, pornography. Not saying we all look at it, but there's billboards we see. There's TV commercials we see, like I talked about with the half-naked woman, right? Every single guy in this room's looking. Guarantee you. Now, it's, it's not the looking, the, the seeing it part that's the sin. It's, it's what do you do once you've seen it? Do you dwell on it? Do you lust after it? Do you, or do you say, that's not for me, and you get it out, and you, and, you, know, you weren't purposefully trying to see that? Because you're going to see it. You can't even go to Walmart anymore without some nearly completely naked girl walking down the aisle next to you or in front of you with the way that these girls dress anymore. You can't help but see them. But what do you do when you see them? That's character. What happens to that thought when that happens? There's not a guy in here that doesn't have um, some thoughts like that. Um, Let's see here. I'm going back to my notes here. And Harvey on the podcast used this example this way. Um, He said, it's a picture. And I'm going to read this to you guys. He said, it's like this. Every time you have sex with somebody you're not married to, Okay, it's like the same thing as if you took two pieces of paper, glued both sides, stuck both of the pieces of paper together, let it dry. What happens if you tear those pieces apart? Do, do they just break clean? Is it just like, ah, oh, this never happened. You know, everything's just clean. It's fine. Is, does, it, does it happen? No, of course not. What happens if you tear those pieces of paper apart? Yeah, the paper is... You, you never are the same again. You tear those two pieces of paper apart, each piece of paper has pieces of the other piece of paper with it, stuck to it, never to be separated again. Okay? That, that's a picture of kind of what sex is. It, it affects everything. It affects the people that had sex for the rest of their lives. Sex is meant to be like the glue that holds a married couple together, one of the things that God designed for that married couple. Um, when it says, what God has joined together, let no man separate. When God joins a man and wife together and they have sex and they become one flesh, God says that's never to be separated again. Why? Because if you separate that, it never comes off clean. If they set my own parents, they get divorced, right? They were married for 22 years. They get divorced. They're separated now, but never can there not be pieces of each other with each of them. They're going to have that for the rest of their lives. Um, it's, I like how it's, I said sex is meant to be glue that holds the married people together. Um, let's see, sex. Oh, and this was this was another point. I'm a little bit choppy here, but I want to cover a few different topics here. Sex outside of marriage, believe it or not, is a form of prostitution. Okay, check this out. Maybe not monetary, but emotionally, big time. It's what it is. Um, it's basically saying, I want your body and I want to have sex with you, and I want everything I can get from you, but I still want a way out. I don't want commitment. I don't, you know, I don't want to get married because that, that's commitment, I, but I want you. I just, I just got to make sure that if, if at any point I decide I don't want you, I can bail with no consequences, okay? There, there are effects. For example, like if, if you see somebody um, that you've had sex with before, Okay, now, I, obviously, I, I can't speak from experience here because my wife and I were virgins when we got married, praise God, but people make mistakes. A lot of people, they, they have sexual um, histories, but then they get saved, or, you know, people make mistakes, but I can only imagine this, okay? Having sex with somebody, and then, like, breaking up with them, and then seeing them again, 
Like how weird that would be. I mean, because it, it, can't, it can't just be like, what's up? How you doing? Remember that time we had sex? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, you cannot tell me that you're going to see that person again and it's not gonna, you're not going to think about it. Because you, you and that person shared something and then tore it apart. You have pieces of each other, no matter what, for the rest of your life. I just think that that's got to be so weird, but it's, you can't just be, hi, how are you? How's everything going? And not have that awkwardness because it's skewed because you know that you've connected with that person and it wasn't love. What's the difference between love and lust? What is, lo- what is lust first? Yeah, a desire to fulfill selfish intent, which is really good. That's what pornography is. It fuels people's lust. Um, what is love? Yeah. Yeah, if lust is about selfish gain and making yourself feel good, then love is the opposite of that. Love is not about you. Okay, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Okay, who did he get? He loved us, so he did something for us, right? He didn't come down and for him. He didn't die on the cross for him. Okay, what did he say while on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Okay, love is about the other person. It's you giving to the other person. Um, so yeah, oddly enough, uh, sex outside of marriage is a form of prostitution emotionally. I want your body, I want to feel good, but I want a way out. Somebody read 18. Yeah, I'll read that again. Flee or run or get away from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits besides sexual immorality is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Have you ever thought about that? Right. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, yeah, I can, that's a really good point. She said, for those of you that didn't hear, she said that she thought about this verse a lot because people with addictions or drugs and stuff like that are putting stuff into their own body and are hurting their own body. Um, let's see here. What does it say to do um, from sexual immorality? To run away from it, right? Um, Every other sin is outside the body, but sexual sin is in the body. It affects you more and differently than other sins. As far as the drugs thing go, I really don't know, uh, in honesty, how, how to explain that differently. I never thought about that, but I will find out. Yeah. Like gluttony, putting things in your body. I, I want to find out even for me on that, so I'll get back to you. Sure. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't have the answer for you on that, but I'll find it. Um, it says to run. Okay, You're sinning against God. You're sinning against your body. You create patterns of sins. You allow desires of addiction to set in. And I wrote this note here that was, that was on the podcast. Well, it says, think about porn, guys. Think 
You think you can only view pornography one time and then you're strong enough to be never tempted again? It was like, that's wrong. And I started thinking about my own life. Like, I remember when I first clicked on that little pop-up, I remember thinking, I'll just look once. Right? You're like, well, I, I just want to see. And, and you, almost, you almost make up stuff in your head like, you know, this was an accident and I saw this, so it's okay. You know, I wasn't searching for it. But I actually did this myself. I thought, I'll just look this one time. So I gave in this one time. Do you think I just looked one time? Of course not. Could not get enough of it. Reminded me of that commercial for Lay's, you know, that bet you can't eat just one. That's kind of reminded me of it. was like porn, bet you can't look once. <laughs> I actually thought about that. But think about it. You can't. Guarantee you, you see something on there, you're going to look again. Except by the grace of God that he saved you from it, you will look again. You'll have it in the back of your mind the rest of your life. I do. It will affect your marriage. It will affect your view of other women. Okay? It, will, it will affect you. And I love, how, I love how Paul says, you know, he doesn't say here, you know, when sexual immorality comes and you're tempted, fight it. Stand up against it and quote scripture at it. What does he say? Run. Like, run. Turn your back and get out of there. Be a coward. (laughs) But being a coward and running is not cowardly. It's the only thing. He says, none of us have the strength to face sexual temptation. Which, this is huge. And here's a way to apply that with us. Don't be alone with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Don't go into the room and click the door shut because the only reason you click the door shut is because you don't want people outside to see what you're doing. Otherwise, the door wouldn't matter, right? So why shut the door if what you're doing is fine? Don't give yourself an opportunity to sin or to be tempted. Um, I remember my wife and I, I don't even know how, but we, we were allowed to go on trips to Twin Falls together. I mean, if we wanted to have sex, we had more than enough occasion to. More than enough. We looked back on it after getting married and talking about our relationship, and we thought, how in the world did we not? With as easy as it would have been, and the only thing that either of us can say, because in all truthfulness, it never crossed our minds to, to actually have intercourse before we got married. Never crossed our minds. It wasn't an option. And the only way we can say that is the grace of God. I, we don't even know how. It blows my mind to think about it. We were together for dating for almost four years, I think, before we got engaged. Five? Yeah, she correct me. Five years together. All the chances that we had. Never did. God. God's grace. So don't be alone. Don't close the doors. Don't give yourself an opportunity to sin. Run away. Somebody read 19. We're closing up here. There it is. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? You are of God. You are not your own. Um. Somebody tell me what the most important building in the Old Testament was. What? Yeah, right? I mean, obviously, the temple. Yeah, the ark. In, okay, the temple. Who, who's in the temple? What, what happened in the temple? Worship of God, right? People come to the temple to meet with God. The priests were in the temple 
okay? This, the verse just said, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, okay? You're not your own. Um, <clears throat> your body is now the temple of God. And it's, if, you, if you understand that correctly, you think about salvation and when you accepted Christ into your life, His Holy Spirit lives inside of us now. So the things that we do, we're doing to the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this was like unbelievably convicting for me. And like, like Cello was talking about with drugs and stuff, the things, the addictions that people get involved in, and believe me, sex is a, another addiction. Same thing. Except when you're, when you're taking drugs, you're, you know, you're hurting your body. You're hurting your temple. You're hurting people around you. One of the biggest lies from Satan is that sin affects just you. Oh my gosh, can I testify to that being a lie from hell? When my parents got divorced, it ripped me in pieces. My heart was torn and thrown all over the ceiling. And there, I had a choice to hate God or to just draw closer to him. I'll never forget the overwhelming feeling that I cannot do this on my own. I'll never forget it. I, I literally was at a point where I'm on my face before God and I cannot do this. Did I do anything? Did I, did I have any sin part in, the, in, in my parents and the reason that they got divorced? Was I involved at all? No. But did it affect me? Oh, yeah. Did it affect my brother, my sister, everybody around us? Yeah, it did. So if you think that you can have sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend or cheat on your wife or whatever, and that's just going to be something that you've done, it doesn't bother them, you're wrong. Think again. The Bible says your sin will find you out. And I guarantee you when it comes out, or if you end up not marrying that boy or girl, you're, not, you're going to have consequences for that. Okay? There's consequences for our sin. Yeah. What Seth was saying, for those of you that couldn't hear, um, he said in, in his past relationships with, ex -girl, with ex-girlfriends, he's never had sex with them, but he did things with them that he knows should have been saved for marriage. And even though, and some, at some times his attitude would be, you know, well, I can do this and God's going to forgive me because all I have to do is ask him and he'll forgive me. And that's true. However, he, he said just now that the things that he did um, with the ex-girlfriends affect him now. You know, does God forgive? Yes, he does. And please don't miss that in the message. If you messed up at any point, a simple, heartfelt, meaningful prayer to God saying, God, forgive me, and a heart of repentance to turn from that and stop doing that and go the other way, and you can be washed white as snow. 
from that. You'll still have effects from it physically and emotionally, but God can forgive that sin. Yeah. I gave things away to other girls that belonged to my wife. I took things from them that belonged to their future husband. Right. And even though at the time Beth and I may have given things away to each other that didn't belong to each other until now. And yeah, though, you will be forgiven for that. God's forgiveness is abundant. Sure. But what you stole from that other person, you'll never give it back. Yep. It's <coughs> Yeah, my, my old youth pastor told me what Mike is, what, exactly what he's talking about. He said, you know, the boyfriend you're having sex with, the girlfriend you're having sex with, you're not married to him. You know, you could be having sex with somebody else's wife or somebody else's husband. If you're not married to them, they're not yours. You're taking for your own selfish gain their bodies when they are not yours. When, when, I, when I thought about that, and then he used the example in pornography, he's like, guys, when you're, watching, when you're watching porn on the internet or TV or whatever it is, and you're watching some guy and some girl have sex, you're seeing some other guy's future wife, some father's young daughter being treated like an animal, and you're fine with that. And guys, when you have sex with your girlfriends or if you have affairs or whatever it is you're doing, you're having sex with somebody else's wife. You're having sex with somebody else's husband. And I can't even like, I can say it over and over again and it still completely trips and weirds me out to think about that. You know, sex is not a, a, a thing to be taken lightly. God created it to be worship. When a husband and a wife have sex together in marriage, it's worship. It's, it's the perfect purity of what God created it to be. And what our culture has done is we've taken that, slapped God in the face and said, you're wrong, I love him or I love her or I'm not getting everything I want from my wife and I deserve to get what I want. There was a whole lot of you going on in that, in that thought process, an awful lot of you. And who are we here for? For God. Our body isn't ours, our bodies are for God. Your girlfriend's body isn't yours. It's for God. Your boyfriend's body isn't yours. It's for God. But we just, we screw that up. And the bottom line is none of us care. I mean, we, half the time we're just like, oh, you know, whatever. We can, we can be okay with that. Or I can watch this. It's not going to affect me, you know. Because when you do it, you're, you're just like, oh, it's, I'm not doing it, so I'm fine. You know, you got to understand here. That sex is not just this physical thing that doesn't matter. It matters to God to the point where he says your body's the temple. And one thing that, one thing that Harvey said on the, on the podcast was um, is that your body is the dwelling place of God. Having sex outside of marriage, he said, is equivalent to walking into the holy of holies and having sex in there with somebody you're not married to. Can you imagine that? Anybody doing that in the Old Testament? 
The Holy of Holies was the place where God's glory dwelled. Could you, man, the, the one priest, that poor guy that had to go in there once a year, whatever, and do the sacrifice, they're, they're talking about tying a rope around his ankle in case he dropped dead and they had to drag him out because nobody is going in there. No one's going in there. No one's that dumb. The holiness of God, I would hate to be that priest. Man, talk about nerve-wracking. Holy Spirit living inside of you guys. When you do that, that's what you're saying to God. I, don't, I disagree with you. I'm not holy. I'm not your temple. I can do whatever I want with my body, period. Shut up, God. That's what you're saying. It's, it's just, it's, it's mind-boggling. And, and back to the Corinthians, they're fine with it. They've been told that, but they're fine with it. They're just like, it's just a physical thing. Okay? Paul says, run. Get away from it. All right, here we go to close. Verse 20, somebody read that. It's kind of, yeah, just verse 20, just the very end. Go ahead and actually do me a favor. Just read 19 and 20 again, yeah, for me, and I'll read it again. I'm going to read it again just for, for sake of closing here. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Is that just a suggestion? You know, you should glorify God. No, it's a commandment. Okay. Stop defiling what isn't yours. Stop being selfish and taking things from other people that don't belong to you, okay? We gotta, we gotta, we, we've, we've talked a lot about, about at you, but we need, to, we need to circle around to the good news here. The good news is, is Jesus. <laughs> the good news is that Jesus paid for your body. When Jesus died on that cross, he bought you. He owns you. You're his. You're for his glory now, okay? The gospel is that Jesus died to forgive you for what you've done. To continue in having sex uh, or any other kind of sexual immorality from this point on is a choice that you will make. Because right now, I'm saying that tonight, here, right now, you can turn from that, be completely forgiven from Jesus Christ, and from this point on, you can live a God-honoring life. All you have to do is want it. That's it. It's as simple as a five-minute conversation with God that you say, God, I am sorry. I'm turning from this. I'm done. Please forgive me. And guys, the gospel is that Jesus will forgive you. The gospel is that he died for that. He already knew you were going to do it. He wants you just to repent of that. Go the other way. Start having a relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife or whatever that's the kind of relationship that God wants you to have. Okay, glorify God with your body. The things you do with your bodies, guys, sexually from this point on, married or not married, should be all for the glory of God. So we'll close with this. Back to love God and do what you will. Remember that quote here? If you're in love with Jesus Christ, and I mean in love with him, I'm not saying, oh, I love God. 
I'm saying if you are emotionally connected and attached to Jesus Christ on a, on a level where you actually talk to him every day, where you actually spend time in his word and let him talk to you every day. If you love Jesus Christ and his spirit is in you and flowing out of your life, then your will will be in line with his. And you can literally love God and do what you will. Because to truly love God is to do his will. So let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word, Lord, and the fact that imperfect people like us can, can get together and talk about it. Lord, I know that we don't have all the answers. Lord, we have one book of 100% truth. And I thank you so much that we live in a country, Lord, where we can still freely gather together and talk about it. And I thank you, Lord, for this group, for, for talking back and asking questions and for Chella to stump me on something already. It's just so awesome like that, Lord, when I know that the people are, are reading God's word for themselves. And I'm just so excited. Lord, thank you so much for blessing this community group, Lord. I, I want to pray um, for, and also I'll make an announcement, Lord, for our brother JJ from Livingstones in Reno, who's going to come down next weekend and uh, preach to us and just give us a word of encouragement. I'm so excited for, for that to happen. God, please uh, forgive me for being uh, sporadic throughout the teaching tonight, Lord, but thank you so much for this group, Lord, and I love these guys. And please, Lord, if anybody in this room is convicted about what we talked about tonight or is doing sexual immorality sins, what we talked about tonight, Lord, even um, us, Lord, I pray that we would... Uh, that they would come talk to one of us, Lord, that we could pray with them, that we could not leave here tonight and continue in a path of sin that, that disglorifies you, Lord, but that we could repent tonight and from now on we could have relationships and make choices that glorify you. And I thank you and I praise you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.